we want to do everything we can to encourage people to follow the basic rule. Source text should be at or preferably below the reading level of the student. Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Chief Marketing Officer. Our goal is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So, Andrew, episode 310. Which has significance. Of course it does. If it ends in a zero in our world, it means I get to ask you all kinds of hard questions. Uh Uh-oh. What happens when we get to 1,000? That ends in three zeros. (laughs) (laughs) Well, of course, these questions are not my questions. They are ones that have been submitted by our listeners. And And you never tell me ahead of time, so I can't think ahead and plot out clever, snippy answers. (laughs) No. (laughs) All right. Well, shoot. All right. Speaking of shooting, Holly from Texas, (laughs) she wants to know, how do I know if I'm expecting too much of my son with writing? He is nine, and we have been using Structure and Style for Students, year one, level A. It's a good question, and it reminds me of something that Susan Barton who we have talked to Mm -hmm. on the podcast and have a relationship with for many years said, which is, if you think your child may be dyslexic, they probably are. Mm -hmm. You don't need to spend a lot of money doing fancy testing. Put it into getting a good curriculum. I think this would be the same. If you think you're expecting too much, then you (laughs) probably are. (laughs) Uh, One of the things that we need to remember about children in that age range is that, you know, their verbal skills very often, especially in the homeschool universe, their verbal skills way outpace, if you will, their written expression skills. So they talk your ear off about something and then you say, well, just write that down. And then they can't easily do that. And you wonder, well, what am I doing wrong? Why not? And you're not doing anything wrong. It's just that that age. And of course, you know, part of the problem too is if you compare your nine-year-old with some other nine-year-old or even if you compare your nine-year-old with an older child you have when they were that age, you're falling into that trap of thinking that all nine-year-olds should be the same in that way and yet they are, you know, very, very different. Yes. So, you know, get free of comparison. If you're afraid you're expecting too much, let it go and just do what you can and enjoy it. Right. I will tell you something I don't think I have mentioned publicly before. Hmm. My daughter who has a nine-year-old boy who is not the fastest child I've ever met in terms of catching on to reading and being excited about it. We'll put it that way. She asked me to do our Bible Heroes theme-based book Mm -hmm. with him, Mm -hmm. 
which is tough because I only see them, you know, generally once a week, maybe twice on a good week. So I don't have a lot of time. But I'm the grandpa and I'm the IEW guy and I love my grandson and I love my daughter. So, okay, he's going to spend the night. I sat down with him to do lesson one. Lesson one, Mm -hmm. Bible heroes, Mm -hmm. right? And it took an hour just to get seven lines of three keywords out of that source text. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting there thinking, wow, I haven't done this with a child like this in this way for a very, very long time, maybe never. This took a long time. It seemed like it was just painfully slow. Mm -hmm. But the result was he liked it. Good. And he told his mom he wanted to do it again. Oh, good. Which was really my only goal. Yes, of course. Part of that is his perfectionistic nature. Mm. And I I can't even say how many times did I say, don't worry about your handwriting. Right. Just write the word as fast as you can. It's okay. And, you know, he just didn't want to get one little piece of that letter <laughs> looking not good because he's an artist mm, at heart. Mm-hmm. So I kind of had to back up and think, wow, you know, if it's taking me an hour to do one short paragraph keyword outline with lesson one of unit one of our easiest book, I have a little more uh, sympathy, mm-hmm. understanding mm-hmm. for frustrated moms out there. Yep, yep. Holly, I just also wanted to mention, if you're watching The Structure and Style for Students, Year 1, Level A, what you may not know is we had a wide range of aptitude in that class. Mm-hmm. We had Addison, sharp as a whip, and we had at least three boys at the top of my head that I'm not even sure they could read. And yet, over the course of that year, they got it. Huge improvement. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and part of it is your you're growing up really a lot when you're that age and, and you're looking at over a period of six, seven, eight months. Yeah. A lot of neurological change going on too. So be yep. patient and enjoy the ride. Very good. Okay, I've got another question from Kathleen from Oregon. How do I inspire students to use dress-ups when they deem them unnecessary? Well, we would go back to the analogy of music mm-hmm. and teaching music and certain things you do, not because you're going to go perform them, not because you like them, not because it's fun to do them, but because by doing them, you will build your your ability. So you don't have a student play the same two measures of a composition 30 times a day in a day because that's an end in itself. The end is to be able to do the whole piece well and move on and take those skills and apply them again and again and again in increasing layers of sophistication. So we don't use the 10 good suggestions method with our stylistic <laughs> technique. And some people misunderstand that. Yeah, and they say, yeah. oh, here's a list of things you could do if you want your writing to be better. Well, that opens a big can of worms mm-hmm. and lots of potential for dissent and even argument. We just use the Ten Commandments approach. You will do these things. Right. You know, you will do an L-Y word in every paragraph, whether you – you know, think it's a good one or not, you do it. But what happens is kind of like 
you get used to it. And then pretty soon it isn't so bad. And then pretty soon you start to try to do it well. And that's the shift you'll see down the line is the student saying, I know I've got to fit this in here, but I don't really like that one. Is there a better one? Yep. And then they'll start to scan their lists or use a thesaurus or ask you for suggestions or any number of ways they could get better ideas and incorporate those in their writing. So it sounds to me like uh, maybe you've been using that 10 good suggestions approach and no, you're not going to inspire them. You require them mm -hmm. and then you refine and then they gain mastery and then they take it over and have ownership. Yep. And then when they leave your control, they may or may not do what was required for many years, but at least they would know they could if they wanted to. Yep. Yep. And just kind of back to what we said to Holly, you know, trust the system. It really does work. These mm -hmm. kids will, their writing will improve. And yeah, it's maybe that LY seems unnecessary to that student, but it's not about necessarily improving their writing. It's about improving their skill of how to use an LY correctly. Catherine from Louisiana, this, she actually sounds like she's a classroom teacher. Okay. How do you best help older students? juniors or seniors in high school or even freshmen in college catch up. So many of the ones I teach have had a such a bad education that they barely know how to use periods. Mm. Which part of the IEW curriculum would you start with? Any other tips? Thanks so much. Well, hopefully that's a little bit of an exaggeration, but it points to the direction of some really basic kind of writing mechanic stuff. And so there's – I would point to the the idea of grammar mm -hmm. and, and in a broader sense. One would be building the inherent grammar, which would be the sense of how words go together. And that's developed through, as we know, auditory input added to any reading the student may be willing to do on their own, memorized language to some degree. So – you know, we can link to Nurturing Competent Communicators, which unpacks that idea very fully. And yes, it's harder to build inherent grammar with older students than with younger children. Mm -hmm. But it's never too late. Right. It's never too late. And we, we have the stories of adults who started learning a foreign language later in life. And by memorizing chunks of language – uh, by listening to reliably correct and appropriately sophisticated language, they do improve their sense of what to say or not to say, how to use words. On the barely write a sentence side, yep. we kind of have to look at basic applied grammar, right? Like, okay, here's a principle, now practice it. Here's an idea, apply this. And, of course, our fix-it programs programs, our fix-it levels, are all designed uh, to do just that. And because they aren't grade-associated, we don't have fix-it grade four for everybody who happens to be 10 years old. Right. What we have is levels, mm -hmm. and it is perfectly okay to take an older student who has a 
either a lack of information, a mild learning disability, a second language issue, any of those things, and start at fix at level one. Exactly. Yep. And it would be better to err on the side of too easy and have the student say, that's too easy, than to have it be not too easy and the opposite, frustrating. Yep. So I would encourage, uh, I would encourage experimenting mm-hmm. with our fix at level one or maybe level two, even for essentially adults, you know, yep. 16, 17 years and older. Yep, yep. And the nice thing about that is that's built into our fix it program is copy work. Mm-hmm. And so they're correcting the sentence and then fixing the sentence and then they're rewriting it. So things like paying attention to periods is a part of that yeah. daily exercise. So Yeah, it's interesting how much can be learned about the nuance of mechanics mm-hmm. just from copying yep. something. Exactly. Even at an older age and yet you know, a lot of times people think, well, copying, that's, that's like what you do when you're six or seven years old. But there's benefits all along the line. Whether the students are willing to do it or not you know, is another question. But that that is one approach I would agree with. Yeah. Yep. Good. So Maria from Minnesota, my home Minnesota. state. Minnesota. Minnesota. Did I say that right? <laughs> it's still there. It's been a long time since I've lived there. Maria asks, what are some strategies for taking the IEW writing principles and applying them to writing in subjects like science and history? particularly for younger elementary students? Well, that's really an easy question uh, because pretty much our whole system is based on writing from content or, you know, what what the buzzwords were writing across the curriculum. Right. And so that's why we have our theme-based writing lesson books. So all of all, all, all the source text and almost all the assignments in, say, ancient history-based writing lessons are history. And so you are writing little reports and retelling ancient narrative stories and doing a little bit of research and doing it in a simple way. And it's a, it's a level A, high level A uh, book there. Even in our SSS course, our source texts are all about stuff. Real stuff, whether it's people, places, animals, events. So if you understand our program from having watched the Teaching Writing Instruction Style course, if you have done the teacher training, your options are design your own assignments, which you could very easily connect with history or science or literature or sports or geography, or I mean, anything you could think of, you just have to go find the source text or, or create them if you're so inclined. Right. Or you could take the more general approach and say, oh, this year we're talking about medieval history. Let's see if that medieval history writing lessons fits in. Mm-hmm. And it should. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, or you can say, well, I, I don't know if I can fit it in. Take the video course and you may discover that the skills developed by summarizing this kind of random article or doing research on that kind of random thing is teaching the summarizing and research and then later essay writing that you're shooting for. So uh, of all the writing programs in existence that I am aware of, ours is absolutely the best approach 
for teaching writing in the content areas. Right. And I'm going to add to this one too, Maria. We have schools that the entire school is trained using IEW, you know, the the English teacher, of course, and the social studies teacher and the math teacher. Yeah, you yeah. the math teacher. I've, yeah. had math, I've had music teachers yep. come up to me and say, well, I always have my kids do a, a, a composer report. Exactly. This is going to let me help them do it well. Right. So, yeah. So when it's an IEW school, they're doing that. And so they're doing the heavy lifting in the English department. But the other disciplines are bringing in IEW writing assignments. Which and reinforcing it and getting generally better products all around. Here. Exactly. Yep. So Laura from Ontario, Canada, do I start my seven-year-old with handwriting or with printing letters? I know 40 years ago, back in Europe, we were started straight on cursive, never to print for the rest of the school years, and we did great. Yes, I've talked to many uh, people who were born, raised, grew up, went to school in Europe, and whatever language that was, French, German, English, uh, They went straight into cursive. Mm -hmm. In this country, we did that probably 150 years ago. Kids went straight into cursive. It wasn't really until the typewriter became more ubiquitous that there was this idea that kids should learn to print, meaning manuscript, first as opposed to cursive. So I don't see any reason you couldn't start a student on cursive, other than it's just not generally what people think they do because everyone alive in this country today who went to school in this country mm-hmm. did printing first and then if they got cursive, usually around third grade. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's some very interesting research and we can link people to my talk on uh, paper and pen, what the research says, yep. as to Um, very good reasons as to why not only should you teach cursive writing, but why there's an appropriateness, even a convenience, of doing it first. Although I have met some parents who tried that, found it very frustrating, and pulled back Mm -hmm. and stuck with the, the block letter printing. I would just say, if you start with cursive, you will help the dyslexic kids who may have the tendency to flip letters because you can't flip a cursive letter unless you flip the whole sentence and that's pretty rare. Whereas if you're printing and you've got to decide, okay, I got a stick. Do I go this way or that way on my stick? That's what's frustrating. So my my final comment would be if you do start with printing or what is often called manuscript, Mm -hmm. be attentive to stroke order. Mm-hmm. We had those little – do you remember those in school, those little sentence strips on the yep, desk or sure. on the wall? Yep. And it would have the letter and then it would have these little red arrows with little tiny numbers. Mm-hmm. And it would tell you which thing to go first and then which thing to do second mm-hmm. and then occasionally there was a third. Mm-hmm. That is probably the most important thing because yep. when I see kids who have kind of just randomly tried to copy letters, they don't – have a ease of doing so because of either the less ergonomic and therefore less helpful and I would say wrong stroke order or a random stroke order where they don't even make the 
the same letter the same way all the time. Right. So really either one is fine. Cursive has some advantages if you choose to go with the printing first, just attend to correct stroke order and everyone's life will be better down line. And here's where I insert a plug for Printing with Letter Stories. Oh, yeah. Which is our manuscript program, generally for primary students or Cursive Knowledge. Cursive which Knowledge. Is, which is uh, cursive really for any age. You could start them as young as, you know, five when they're starting to well, learn Well, a lot letters. of it depends on that kind of high age. Eye-hand coordination, absolutely aptitude. <laughs> right. Not every five-year-old would no. be ready for no, that. No, yeah. but stroke order is something that we definitely teach in both of those programs. Yeah. So. Okay, Charlotte from Florida wants to know, how do we address the issue of the source text seeming to become overwhelming for the student? It's too long. Well, I guess that would depend if it was a source text in one of our products mm-hmm. or a source text that she is using from some other source. Really, honestly, especially if if you're talking about unit one or two or four, uh, you can shorten the source text by just ignoring the last sentence or two or three or four. Exactly, yep. Now, if you have an Aesop fable for unit (laughs) two or you have a story for unit three, Mm then you can't really shorten the story because then you lose it. Mm-hmm. In which case, you you would just look for something different. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I will mention, uh, I don't know if it applies in her case, but our history-based writing lesson series, Medieval and U.S., has the blue page in the front that has the simpler source texts. Mm-hmm. So you you get in the book you buy a source text which we believe is appropriate for, say, that grade four or five reading level. But if you have a student for one reason or the other, age, dyslexia, attention, experience, second language, if you need a simpler source text, we've rewritten them mm-hmm. and those are available online. You just print it out. Yep. So we we want to do everything we can to encourage people to follow the basic rule, and this is what I teach in the TWSS, source text should be at or preferably below the reading level of the student. And so if, they, if they're too long or have too many unfamiliar words or sentences are too complex, then don't, don't use that. Right. Try to get something simpler. And if that just means use the first four sentences and then stop, that's okay, too. Absolutely. Good. So Ramona from Romania. Oh, how yeah. fun. How can a child that is able to listen and understand long chapter books, such as Narnia, compose elaborate phrases? At this moment, so she's not actually able to do this. At this moment, she's only writing three to four word prepositional phrases. Hmm. Well, my guess is this is a young child who obviously reads or listens well enough to follow these, mm-hmm. you know, more complex. So there's a few approaches there. The first thing is don't worry about it. It's not a problem. This is, you know, a relatively young child, I would guess. The second approach would be to say, well, let her dictate to you, right? Let her narrate, I guess would be mm-hmm. the better term. Mm-hmm. Let her narrate to you something she would like to write, but she just doesn't have the eye-hand-brain facility developed to do that, but she could say it. Mm -hmm. If she could say it and you could write it, 
then she gets to see her words going into written form, and that's as valid a form of writing as John Milton, who had to dictate Paradise Lost to his daughters because he was blind. Yeah. He went blind. Mm-hmm. And and that's writing. It's mm-hmm. not like that isn't writing. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest poems ever produced was written by someone who couldn't write, right, you know, right. in the in the literal on paper sense. But the step the next step for that child and for the mom would be the child tells the story or the content they want to write. And the mom, instead of writing the whole sentence, can make a keyword outline of the sentence the child narrated. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you have an outline, and then you can work with that. Right. So, uh, you know, this question, I think, indicates maybe that you haven't yet discovered the power of keyword outlines in helping kids get from, I can hardly write anything I'm thinking, to, I can take three words that represent an idea that came from somewhere else, and I can reconstruct that idea by adding to it the words I need to to make it into a sentence. So, uh, you know, I think if you pursue the structure and style approach and then maybe supplement that with the fun activity of letting her dictate stories and you write them down. And I would I would also say write them on a whiteboard, mm. not a piece of paper. If she's dictating a little story to you, write it on the whiteboard so she can actually see her words going into printed words on a whiteboard. There's something kind of powerful about that. And then if she's able to, she could copy what she dictated, thereby actually writing what she wanted to write. Exactly. I love it. That's that's really good. Okay, last one is from Faith, and she's from Florida. Okay. How do you keep the material fresh for your students year after year? Fresh. I would love to have a conversation with you, Faith. <laughs> so if you happen to go to the Florida Parent Educators Association convention in May in Orlando, Find me and we could unpack this a little bit more. I guess what I would interpret this as meaning, and I may be wrong, is just it gets a little tedious doing the same thing again and again and year after year. I I agree with that, but that doesn't mean that it can't still be interesting. Mm -hmm. Yep. Children find math to be, (laughs) in some cases, a little tedious because you're doing the same thing or very similar things again and again. But if it's being if being taught and learned decently well, there is an interest level that balances the tedium level, right? Mm-hmm. So now we're getting faster, we know this better, and we don't have to think so hard about doing this multiplication or division. And now when we can go into fractions, we're mm-hmm. still doing multiplication and division but more kind of in our head so that we can do fractions. So I think math is a good example of something that isn't fresh, but it does have new elements and waves. Mm -hmm. Writing is going to kind of be like that. Spelling is going to kind of be like that. The the good news is that, you know, kids don't have an inherent dislike of repetition. If anything, they lean toward an inherent 
craving for repetition,、mm -hmm. but they do like variation within that. So I think with our approach, we have three elements of variation that allow a student to go through a year and not feel like I'm stuck doing the same thing I've always been doing. Yes, you're putting words on paper. Okay, <laughs>、sure、that's what it is. Yep. But、uh, one aspect, of course, is the the subject matter can change.、Mm -hmm. Right. You can write about an animal. And then, when you're done with that, you can write about a person. When you're done with that, you can go find out about something that you're interested in, get some information, get a source text, write a little report. Kids tend to be more engaged in a project that they get to choose the subject.、Hmm. But we don't want to have them choose a subject and be totally lost, not having any good source text. So there's a a facilitation side、mm -hmm. to the teaching. The second thing, and this is what I initially thought was one of the brilliances of Webster's approach, is the nine units are different. I mean, unit one, you make keyword outlines. Unit two, you get to make those keywords outlined into sentences. Unit three, you're you're getting your keywords differently because you're in stories. And at the end of that month or so, right now, you go back and you write reports, but. It's a, a different way of choosing the key words, and then you get writing from pictures, and that's really different because there's no source text at all, and you work through all nine units. And yeah, you may like unit five writing from pictures more than unit eight formal essays, but none of them last forever, right? And with Webster's system, you spend about one month, you know, plus or minus a week or two on each of the nine units. And so there's variation through the year, as opposed to some writing programs that I have personal experience with. You basically do have to do the same thing every week for every week of a school year. And yeah, I mean, any of us would kind of wish that would end. And then, of course, we have the ever-growing style checklist. Yep. So okay, here's your first challenge: stick an ly in somewhere that Aesop fable. Okay, that's a challenge. Six months down the line, hey, you've got you know five dress ups to put into each paragraph of a three paragraph story. That's a different level of challenge.、Mm -hmm. And if you're using the easy plus one approach to teaching the stylistic techniques, then you're either operating at a level of hey, this is pretty fun because I can do it without much help and it doesn't sound too goofy and I know what I'm doing, or I know all of that and this is a new thing to play with, a new challenge. So. I think our system inherently helps it be fresh. And if I misinterpreted the question, like I said, grab me at the convention, and we'll get a cup of coffee and figure out how fresh you really need to be. Okay, sounds great, Andrew. Thank you. That's it. That's, That's all the questions we have time for. We we got through all the questions. Oh, and nobody even asked about the Super Bowl or anything. Nope, nope, not this time. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify, or just visit us each week at iew.com/podcasts. Here you can also find show notes and relevant links from today's broadcast. One last thing: 
Would you mind going to iTunes to rate and review our podcast? This really helps other smart, caring listeners like you find us. Thanks so much.